Welcome to YFC Now with news and encouragement from Fresno Madera Youth for Christ. Ministering to area kids for over 65 years, here is the host of YFC Now, Executive Director Ed Kazmarek. Hey, thanks for listening to the YFC Now show. I am so glad to be here and we've got a fun show for you today. I've got two of my favorite people, Gabe Hernandez and Kara Pritchard, here in the fabulous, opulent YFC studio. And uh, I've asked them to come today to share about a special activity they took part in. Um, you know, we talk a lot about our local YFC chapter, and um, I'm so proud to be a part of the chapter as the executive director. And the ministry's gone on here for over 65 years. But I just want to remind you, there is a national movement of YFC. Youth for Christ is a national uh, organization with many chapters across the country. And we're one of about 175 chapters. But the national office does a great job of supporting our ministry, supporting us through providing resources and contact with the other chapters. And the national office provides training for our staff. So our staff occasionally goes off to regional and national trainings so that we can do the best job we can do as ministers of the gospel. Um, one of the other things that they do is the national office provides a platform for regional camps. And they provided a platform for middle schoolers and high schoolers to go to a regional camp in the western U.S. And there's a great camp up in Antelope, Oregon, where hundreds of kids recently came together and uh, did YFC camp. Many of these kids were not believers. And they got to come together to camp and hear about Jesus Christ. Some of them for the first time, obviously. So, again, joining me are Gabe and Kara, and the reason I'm having them join me is because they spent a glorious week in Antelope, Oregon, at camp, and doing camp with these kids, and I want them to tell you firsthand about their experience at camp, the highs, the lows, the challenges, and so on. So, welcome, Gabe. All right. Glad to have you here again. <laughs> You've been here before. Yeah, yeah. And then also, welcome, Kara. Thank you. Um so how did this come about? Let's see. I mean, I know I recommended you guys, and uh, but how did you get on the uh, the YFC camp team and, and basically representing Fresno Madera Youth for Christ on the national level? All right. I think it was uh, <clears throat> Byron Emmerich that first recommended or first said something about it. And basically what happened was they asked me, did, did I want to be involved in it? I was a little scared at first because I didn't know what it, it entailed and they flew me out to <clears throat> Michigan in March and I met the whole program team and it's an amazing I mean it's just amazing to watch them put all this together I mean just the amount of effort that goes into a planning timing and we spent like four days getting to know the people we were going to be working with for those six days uh, very closely and then all up until you know we went to camp we were meeting once a week on the phone and doing conference calls and doing all this side prep and stuff and getting everything. So, boom, here we go. Last week, we step into it, and I'm like, I mean, as much preparation as we did, I realized how unprepared I was. I mean, well, let me jump in here, Gabe, because you know that I'm a, I have been a camp guy. I was in yeah. camps for like 10 years, and that's not how we did it at camp. I mean, camp, what you did is you hired the staff, and they got there at the end of May, and you did an intensive week of training on site. So you could walk through everything at camp, and you knew exactly what was going to happen that first day of camp. Mm -hmm. Of course, it always took us off guard when the kids actually arrived. Yeah. But you had the staff picked, selected together in one room or on one campground, and you got them ready together. This was very different. You guys, yeah. but you did get together in March, but yeah. then you showed up again here in August. Yeah. 
pretty incredible. Kara, you didn't even go to the March thing because you had a different, kind of a different um, ministry position. Tell us about that. So it's important to know the difference between the cool job that Gabe had, which was part of the program team, and everybody loved him. He was a celebrity. He got to be on stage doing uh, embarrassing, horrifying skits, uh, walking through the crowd, high fives. Um, my job was a head leader, and I, I think it can only be described as a disciplinarian. Mm. And so I swept cabins, and I got kids to meal, and I made them stop holding hands because, you know, they're not married. And um, I was just a heavy and to try to find softness and to temper that and to also show the love of Christ was interesting. Cause I'm a mom of four kids and I'm I'm comfortable with discipline. But my buddy here got got to do all the glory fun stuff. Mm. Well uh, I'm a little envious of that. You've told me a little about camp. So tell me about the demographics of camp. And I don't just mean the cultural, uh, racial demographics, but also the spiritual demographic. Well, I can say that what made my job difficult was that I I, I can tell you, I get a little, although we're the pursuit of lost kids, I can get a little spoiled with hanging around kids that have been raised by Christ followers. And I'm always amazed at the behavior of other kids and where that behavior comes from. So if it's neglect or if it's um, socioeconomic problems or, or just even kids with money who have no parents paying attention to them. But these kids were urban kids. Um, and most of them, I would say, that came were, were not believers and had the only background they have with Christ or the people in Youth for Christ in their communities that, that draw them in. So maybe they've gone to a city life program or a campus life you know, affiliated program, and they've had a little bit of experience. They fundraised to get there. But for the most part, these, are not kids, these, these children are not believers. And Gabe, from your perspective, what, do you see, what did you see in the group of kids? <clears throat> I would say that I I saw a lot of uh, just a lot of brokenness, you know, just different. I mean, even the kids that didn't look uh, urban, you know, you could just see there was there was a lack of direction in their lives. They um, some of them were just really struggling to to find an identity. Um, that was it. Just was interesting. I mean, it wasn't prepared for. Number one, the magnitude of kids. I mean, I, you can say a number like 500, but when you see 500 kids, it's like, wow. You know, and then you're, you're responsible for trying to not only entertain them, you know, but then you're also trying to live out Christ, present the gospel and everything. It just, mm. you know, it was crazy. And then you see those moments where you, you get to see that glimpse of who God created, you know, <clears throat> and they're, they're, they're doing good and they're smiling and it seems like they're getting it, and then boom, you turn around and you hear, oh, well, so-and-so did this, and he did this and that. So, you know, it was just a really kind of like a tidal wave weekend, mm -hmm. you know. And then a lot of times it was back to Kara trying to sort out the mess, yeah. the fights, the arguments. Yeah. Um, so I, I want to kind of explain this, but I and I want to say it delicately because, you know, what we're after, we're after having kids ultimately go to church. However, we do not put on a church camp. In other words, we love the church, and the church, I feel, is the hope of the world, I mean, to transform lives. But what we do is we are looking for those kids who have fallen through the cracks or who are not church kids. They're not kids that are attending church. Church may be a completely alien uh, concept to them. Ultimately, we want to introduce them and hand them off to our local churches. But it takes a relationship first, and we're in relationship with kids who are are generally not going to church. Certainly their families are not supporting a church lifestyle. And so do you think that we were successful in that pursuit in bringing kids to camp who are not churched kids? In this particular camp, yes. I mean, it was, 
the, the highlights for me are the moments in between movement where we have free time or where I'm in a cabin and I'm able to talk to a young person and hear their story. And when you start to ask simple questions like what, what kind of school do they go to? What do they do after school? What do they do on the weekends? Their answers aren't what most kids, how most kids, oh, I do soccer or I go to church or I have dinner with my family. These kids sometimes don't have food to eat. And so you hear them talk about pains as simple as food or one girl who kept getting into trouble all week. We had difficult conversations every night at bedtime. Her leader would call me in for help and backup. And finally, on the third day, I heard that this girl's mother had died less than a year ago and she's been bounced from home to home. Mm. So I, I think those hearing those broken stories reminded me of why I was there, that I wasn't there only to be a heavy, but just to stop and listen. Mm-hmm. And I can't count how many times during those six days I just stopped and prayed with mm-hmm. a, a young person. Mm-hmm. And it was foreign to them and for some of them uncomfortable. And I can say many of the kids that I sat at a table with for dinner cannot make eye contact with you, don't feel comfortable you asking questions about them. Um, and then by the end of the week, you know, you're getting hugs and laughter and, and some eye contact. But mm-hmm. in the beginning, it was... It was difficult to build relationships with kids who just don't trust. Mm-hmm. Gabe, yeah. tell me about your role and how it made an impact, how it prepared the kids to hear the gospel. <laughs> um, so I was on the programs team, which basically we did um, cells, run-ons, and skits. Okay, so to explain that is <clears throat> basically a cell is a two- or three-minute thing to you know kind of get the kids pumped up about an event. So like we did... Um, Oh, man, let me try to think. Like, we did a competition where we had to dress up as all the cast from Shrek. So okay. <laughs> I was Shrek, and the other guy was Donkey. <laughs> the little, you know, one of the smaller guys was Lord Farquaad, whatever. And so we get up on stage, and it's like, oh, I'll save Fiona. I'll save Fiona, whatever, you know. Well, what happened was, you know, we start fighting, and then the thing is, let's take this outside. And we go outside, and there's this huge battle prepared outside where they're split into teams, you know, Team Shrek, Team This, Team That. So that's a sell. Um, a run-on is like a skit that, that uh, progresses throughout the week. You're introduced to some characters. Day two, there's a situation. Day three, there's a separation. You know, day four, there's some some kind of difference of what's going on. Day five, there's reconciliation. So they get to see, you know, a whole life story in a matter of, of days, you know. Um, so just acting these parts out, you know, and it was just like it was totally out of my comfort zone because, I mean, I can be a fool and play around and do that stuff, but it just it was really hard to do this stuff. So the few moments that I got to speak you know, and share my testimony or part of my testimony is like, is it really just affirmed that I know what I'm called to do, you know, because it's like, if anybody who knows Gabe knows that he's a teacher, Gabe, you're called to just share and share the word, explain the word and be a teacher. And so I can see where uh, you were pressed beyond your abilities. That's great. You had to trust the Lord just like the kids did. It, It was strange. I was explaining it to somebody today. It was like, Every every day was was prolonged. It was like because my dependence on God was so deep, and my I was so much out of my comfort zone. It seemed like the hour took hours, mm-hmm. you know. And I was just kind of realizing the other day I was sitting at home and I was doing some errands and stuff, and three hours passed like that because I was comfortable. I was just hanging out, I was doing things, but the level of dependence on God when you're there. I mean, I'm sure you can allow the the week to blow by and be like, eh, whatever. But when you're intent on sharing. Christ and you're you're really watching the way you're walking in front of these kids like I mean every minute is just dragging on it's mm-hmm. it's insane you know we were just talking uh, our staff was talking about Mark and I'm thinking it's chapter four 
the uh, parable of the scattering of the seed. This, the farmer sows the seed, yeah. and the seed falls on different types of soil. And uh, the idea that a lot of the seed that's scattered, maybe 75% of the seed, is either stolen or trampled or eaten by birds and flies away, or it, it takes shallow root and dies. It's choked out by thorns. Uh, my goodness, you can be discouraged thinking that the gospel is going to be stolen by the, the evil one. It's going to be trampled. It's going to be taken away. But there are there is that seed that is sown on fertile ground and it sprouts and not only grows, but bears fruit. So that's our goal. Ultimately, camp to me is one tool in the toolkit of spreading, scattering the seed, of sharing the gospel. And so as a tool, Carol, I'll turn to you. How do you see camp as a tool for sharing the gospel? So all the preparation that Gabe spoke of, um, all of the skits and the way they're designed, we have the, the we moved forward the presentation of the gospel. So normally they'll do it, if you've ever been to a camp, it's toward the end of the week. We decided with these kids, though, early on that they needed more time to process it if they were to have accepted Christ or to be presented <clears throat> that decision. So the, the, the image I'm most left with and the thing that rocked me the most during that week happened Wednesday night, and they did a gospel presentation. And at the end of that presentation, now mind you, this is 500 kids, half middle school, half high school, who have never been quiet the entire time they reached camp. They literally, there is no quiet, not at one in the morning, not at five in the morning. It is madness, the sounds that come from camp. And so as they were leaving, they were, they were given instruction and it was to leave and pick up an envelope with a, a piece of paper and a pencil. And the instruction was to spend time with God. It was about a 20 or 30 minute assignment. How on earth you would expect these youth to stay quiet for that long? I, I didn't understand it. But what I did see as they exited the building when they were given the options of yes to God, yes again, maybe they've made a decision before, but they went back home. It was too difficult to keep the commitment. Or, or maybe it's no, maybe you need to explore it more. But the instruction they were given is to quietly exit the building uh, which is set up similar to like a church setting and they go out in this vast um, lawn canyon area and they were told to not sit by anyone else and for a middle school or a high schooler they don't want to be alone and it's dark and it's on a hillside and it's although it's well lit and their leaders are all circling them it seemed like a strange request so as they were walking out they grabbed envelopes and they all found seats on this mountainside and it was a holy silence and I can only describe it as that because any parent, any educator, anyone who's ever spent time with that mass number of kids knows that that silence is impossible. And so I just, I was wrecked. And I, I had the opportunity to look over at Gabe, who was, uh, you know, quite a few feet away under a building watching the kids the same way I was, and we were all wrecked. And so I think that was the first night that I, I really was broken. I'd been systematically broken down throughout the week for their stories. <laughs> but to see this quiet, and probably 15 or 20 minutes later, I would say around the 20 minute mark, while there had still been quiet, no kids had run off, leaders were just located all around on the outside. You could see them praying, lifting their hands toward these kids. You hear the word yes start to be screamed out. And it was like popcorn. And, and as beautiful as all that was, and it, 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 that wrecked us too, the, the echoing in the canyon, because where this camp is located is just beautiful, and there are willow trees, and you would hear the wind just rustling through them, and that was the only sound we heard until those yeses. And God bless this kid, but at the very end, some kid yelled out the word no. Hmm. And so I audibly prayed out loud, Lord, bless that no. 
whatever that journey is, bless it. But I was still amazed and wrecked by that holy silence and by these popcorn yeses. And then I began to pray what those yeses meant for those kids. Mm. So we had a couple of days to unpack that, what it looks like when you go home. And um, Gabe can speak to how intentional all of that is. But yeah. that night to me, I, I don't think I'll ever forget that moment. And I will never forget the beautiful conversations I had throughout the week of kids who um, told me where they accepted Christ at camp. And mm. some kids walking back to their cabin alone, they were instructed how to do it, how to accept Jesus into your heart. And a, a boy that could, didn't speak very well, he was um, developmentally, there's something going on there. I, I don't know his story, but he he told me, he's like, oh, I accepted Christ walking back to my cabin. I accepted him into my life. And so I asked him to give me his name and write his date in my journal and he and his contact information. And I prayed for him every day. And that's just one kid hmm. who told me they accepted How Christ. How many kids do you think yelled out yes to Jesus? There were dozens of yeses. Wow. That's really awesome. Gabe, uh, any thoughts about how did you wrap that up? How did you tie that up at the end of the <clears throat> week for the kids who had made that decision? You know, again, it was just, <clears throat> they, they scheduled it to where it was, it's really insane the beginning of the week. Like there's little to no free time. I mean, you're just, you're being moved from place to place. And then as the Thursday and the Friday comes and stuff, there's more time for free time. There was some pool party scheduled. There was um, some planned hangout times and stuff. And it was just, you know, those times where you got to sit around with these kids who you've been, you know, interacting with briefly throughout the week and, just being able to touch base on, you know, so are you one of the ones that screamed yes? Well, mm -hmm. what does that look like for you? You know, what does yes look like when you go home? Because yes, it's not easy here. You know what I mean? Because you're dealing with some kids that may have said yes and are still acting the same way. Or you're dealing with that kid that yelled no and the multiple kids that didn't respond to any of it. Mm -hmm. You know, and it's just being, it, it's just, it's crazy. It's mm -hmm. crazy. There's a lot of program going on. Um, but I had some great, great conversations, and everybody there was really, um, they really shined. They mm -hmm. really did. I mean, I, I don't think I ever heard of any leaders having a wreck. Yeah. You know, I mean, we, we had our moments when we were about ready to snap, but um, everybody was really, really prepared and really trying to walk mm -hmm. out Christ. And um, I think it ended very well, you know, when I asked the kids, hey, aren't you ready to go home? Because deep down I was, but then I didn't want to. I didn't want to walk away because, like, I know what they have to go home to, mm. you know, and, and sometimes they don't, I don't want to say, I, well, I have to say this the right way, they, they, sometimes they don't know how to un unfold God into that, mm. you know, and it, it just stays that moment on yeah. the side of the hill where sure. they cried out, yes. Mountaintop experience. Yeah. Well, um, so. I have to believe, because it happened in my life, that uh, I didn't always have mentoring after I had made a decision yeah. for Christ. I actually, I accepted Christ at a camp, I've said it before, but... Uh, it was a parachurch organization just like Youth for Christ, and they gave me an opportunity to make a decision. And I knew enough that I, I knew I didn't have Christ and I wanted Christ, and I made that decision. And I knew that that moment was a golden spike in my life that was the moment, the defining moment where I had given my life over. And even though I didn't have a whole lot of um, mentoring and, and there wasn't a lot of growth right away, I remembered what they told me. They said, read the Bible, and they said, get into a Bible-believing church. And that was my pursuit for years. And it, it took me a couple of years to really get on track. So that was my story. And I believe that that is a story for a lot of the kids, especially those who just passed through our life. And here at YFC, especially in the Lowell neighborhood, we have kids that come and go. We have kids that pass through. 
But I believe that the Holy Spirit takes that seed and it's watered and it's, you know, God, God takes those who, uh, you know, are ultimately going to grow and bear fruit. And some of those kids, Gabe and Kara, I believe that you talked to, that you impacted, they're going to bear fruit and give that fruit back in their lives. And they're going to lead other kids in the future to the Lord. I think that's an exciting thing that we can't know unless we happen to run across those kids again, um, eventually. So um, next year, you guys going to do it again? Yep. Ready to go? Yep. Exhaustion and all? Yeah, yeah. it's it's a life-changing experience. <laughs> I mean, I would even go back as the heavy. So yeah, certainly. It seems like with the hours you guys put in and just staying up to all hours and getting up early and doing the hard work for the Lord, um, it seems like it's relationships compacted or relationships multiplied. With our typical ministries at YFC, we don't see kids full day at a time. So it's a really rare opportunity. But how does it compare to the day-to-day ministries of YFC? Just briefly, because we're running out of time. What what about our our typical year-round ministries, and how do we how do we get some of that great impact in our other ministries as well? I think planning and being intentional. Um, although we love that we we craved and wanted that downtime that we didn't get a lot of, and we experienced on Thursday and Friday of that week, to know that there is a, a purpose in momentum and to plan and to be intentional and to ask and and not just ask questions but ask for that moment about their interest in Christ and to show them what that looks like mm-hmm. yeah I would say the same thing I mean it, it, the amount of of leaders that were there the amount of extras that we had you know it just it just really helped it flow it's like they did in five days what we do in a year mm-hmm. you know what I mean because I mean we're getting to see the kids 24 hours you know we're getting mm-hmm. to we know up with them early in the morning where we go to bed, you know, late at night and saying goodbye to them and stuff. And it's just everybody just finessing and just using their their gifts and stuff like that. It's just it was just amazing. You know, so, again, it's like if we had more volunteers here, we could do we could do stuff like that. Do some more damage. Yeah. Well, guys, thank you very much. Thanks for your ministry. Thanks for giving your lives. You guys gave your lives for a full week and then some to this. And so thank you on behalf of YFC and. On behalf of the Lord, thank you guys for your service. Amen. Well, that was a good time talking about summer camp. And as we wrap up a summer, uh, as this uh, is recorded, we're getting ready to start a new school year. It's fun to think of all the great fruit that was uh, harvested and born this summer through the camps that we were able to participate in. There wasn't just the national camp, but locally, our different divisions, uh, just about each division of our ministry, uses camps as a tool, uh, one of the tools in their toolkit to reach kids for Christ. And I love camp because it's such an such uh, intense opportunity to focus in on who the Lord is and for kids to soul search and do their own investigation into the person of Jesus and make a decision if, uh, if they uh, come to that conclusion. Pretty exciting times. Uh, we've had a great summer. I want to thank everybody who's listening for your support for your care and your love for Youth for Christ. We have literally uh, 1,500 families that receive our newsletter. Many, if not most of those, have supported us financially and have indicated that they uh, care about the ministry and reaching kids with the gospel. And uh, if you're listening to this program, I consider you a partner and that you care about what uh, is happening through the ministry of YFC and you care about our young people. You care about kids and you want them to hear the gospel. And you're 
If you're like me, you are encouraged when you hear good news and you uh, long for good news in the life of kids that are struggling. And that's what we're all about is uh, bringing a cup of water to a kid who needs refreshment. And that refreshment is the Lord. Well, I want to remind you that this October 25th and 26th, we've got our annual fundraiser and it's a comedy night. It'll be held at New Covenant Church the Thursday and Friday night, October 25th and 26th. You can choose a night and we need table hosts, sponsors, all kinds of support. Of course, guests to come. We have 250 seats each night and that's our fundraiser to raise funds for the year. So put that on your calendar. Love to have you support us in that way. Love to have you check out our website at yfcnow.org to find out more. We need and covet your support and your prayer. So please don't forget Youth for Christ. Uh, remember us in your hearts and your minds. And uh, when you do your devotions, pray for us. Thanks and God bless. Have a great day. Bye-bye. You've been listening to YFC Now. Contact us with your comments and questions at 237-4741. Visit us on Facebook or on the web at yfcnow.org. Thanks for listening, and thanks for supporting our youth.